Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hello and welcome to Brand New from the iHeart Podcast Network and Brand New Labs. We're back. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Ferreira. And what's new this week, Stephen? You know, we've been talking so much about work, but as the founder of Executive Moms, I always think about the totality of our lives as spouses, as parents, as executives. And the funny thing is, going back from my executive mom days, summer was always an interesting time as a working parent because now the regular order of school is disrupted and you're always trying to figure out how to keep your kids busy and how to make that work. So Wait, there's, there's more than just work. <laughs> it's not just work all the time. Some days there's not. Wait, can, can we just pause for a minute? Mm-hmm. What is executive moms? Because I know what it is. I know a lot of folks that have worked with you and know you know what it is. Just for our listeners, what is executive moms? Well, I have to admit executive moms is a little dormant now, but everything has its season. And I started this just for perspective, before the advent of social media. It was 2002. I had recently become a mom myself. I was living in New York, this bastion of work life. And I just wanted to find a way to congregate with other working moms like me as a new one myself. And I was shocked that really nothing existed. So you can question the dubious wisdom of trying to solve that issue for myself by giving myself a second career. But that's what I did. Enough people said, (laughs) we need this. And the brand was very, and we talk about brands, the brand was very instinctive to me. This idea of being a fancy executive and a warm, friendly mom, and that those two ideas cohabitated in all these amazing women. And we just needed to not be prescribed how to do it better, but just feel that sense of connection, commiseration, 
a lot of things that became buzzwords later weren't then. Content and community. You were building one of the first OG communities. In a way, it was. And this idea of aggregating content. No one knew to call it that, including me. But that was just instinctively what I wanted. I wanted someone to talk to me in bite-sized morsels about all the things that I was interested in. Because I'm more than a mom, more than executive. And so it was this big thing for a really, really long time. All the events were in New York, but the content, the community was national, in some cases international. And what it did was it gave me an unintended platform, something I feel really passionately about still today, which is supporting women, working women, and now really working parents as we navigate, particularly in the United States, this constant is you just joked, like, aren't we always working? And there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of stress. And we just want to feel like we're doing okay by all of it. Most of us care. And how do you provide for your kids? How do you make sure that you're spending time with them, but they have their activities during the summer? I mean, You've been doing that, obviously, with Avery, right? Well, Avery's my youngest, and my kids are older than yours, so we're going to talk about Sebastian (laughs) and Sienna in a second. But it is interesting. I mean, Avery now has one more year of high school, Mm. and so she just came back from a wonderful pre-college program, actually, at my alma mater, Brown. And you know, you just think looking back now through their lens, but the pressure that kids have today to build a resume. And by the way, I want to be clear, we didn't do it for that reason. I think it's just a wonderful experience to get a taste of what college is and to start exploring your interests. And for sure. I can honestly say that's why she did it. And that process of instantly making friends and how that prepares you for college. So it was great. But you know, through the process of even figuring out what class she wanted to take start having all these questions and the run-up to college essays and college applications. Like, who am I? What do I want to be? How do I figure that out? And here we are decades later. And I think we're all still on that journey somehow of figuring it out. That's what you don't know when you're young yeah. is that it never really ends. I'm definitely coming to you for all of that advice. You know, that's all <laughs> pre-college. I'm over here, you know, kind of third grade and kindergarten. I love it. I'm jealous. So I'm making sure the kids are in soccer camp. You know, we have dance camp, robotics camp. We were at yesterday the Arsenal versus Barcelona match and Sebastian, that's our Premier League club. So that was amazing. But also trying to find time to fit in family and really have it integrated with work. We're actually leaving to Mexico City tomorrow. Team Tripas, we're actually shooting right now a scripted show in Mexico City with Eugenio and the team, but we're bringing the family I'm down. Excited so for you. they can actually see what the set is like and obviously just get exposed to the business. Well, I will say one of my favorite things about being an executive mom has been for all the sacrifices, the opportunity to allow my children as they've grown up to enjoy some of the interesting experiences that my career has allowed. And I think that's that's the right way to allow some of those paths and for them to be exposed to it and see it. And by the way, I also think it goes in reverse is I've never subscribed to the philosophy that you pretend you don't have a family or an outside life when you're talking to your work colleagues, because we're whole people. And the more that people see us and work as whole people, I just think the more authentic and the more relatable we become, particularly as we rise up and become leaders, I think younger generations crave that. I also think that you you just ooze that authenticity. I don't think that in 2023, people want to have their work life and their personal life really segregated and compartmentalized. You have to have it integrated. So I applaud you and all the women that actually do that. Obviously, my own wife struggles with how do you do the work-life kind of balance, but it's something that we all have to deal with and we have to figure out how to integrate it. And having 
partners that are supportive of that. So I'm very mindful of that. I love that. And you know what? Well, Stephen, before we go to our hot topic, which I want to get to, I just want to say one thing on that. You have an amazing wife and I have an amazing husband. Mm -hmm. But the more we think of this not as a working mom issue, but as just a people issue. Yes. And for those colleagues that don't have children, they shouldn't feel left out of this. Everyone has responsibilities, interests, and obligations outside of work. And listen, the days of nine to five have been long gone. And it's the phone that did it to us because our work was always Mm -hmm. with us. But then there has to be... And COVID accelerated it. COVID accelerated, I guess, because commuting stuff was all like there are no borders. But at the same time, it means that we have to be a little bolder about allowing people to see our whole selves, whether that's on social media, whether it's in a conversation with your team, whether it's bringing your family to things that are appropriate to bring them to like you are with your family in Mexico. What an amazing experience your kids are going to have. We need to have a separate hot topic just on we this. because, And I'm curious if our listeners get excited or they feel that this is interesting to talk about because having your integrated whole self show up in work and outside of work, I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with. So if this is interesting, listeners, please let us know. We will definitely have this be a future hot topic. But let us wrap what's new and get ready for the hot topic, which is going to talk about starting a new brand. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day.
Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Today, we're talking about starting a new brand. That is the hot topic for this episode, Marissa. And I feel that when you think of this world of team, what we talk about technology, entertainment, advertising, media, and marketing, there's so many players, there's so many new brands being created, but especially in media, I feel like it's such a tumultuous time. When you think about entertainment brands, I mean, look at all the evolution that's happened with HBO, HBO Max. Now it's Max. Who knows what it's going to be tomorrow? <laughs> think about everything that's been happening with social lately. Obviously, Threads is a new brand, but there's also all of these upstarts. They haven't gotten the same amount of visibility or news. Things like Blue Sky Post, which is also a very news-focused social app. And there's also Spill, which is very much focused on the Black community that has really felt abandoned by what used to be Black Twitter. It was always a big thing. That's an invite-only new social app. Certainly, there's news. CNN is going through their evolution as well, uh, obviously Fox. And when you think about podcasts, I mean, certainly there's been all this back and forth where are people getting new podcasts? Are they canceling podcasts? And I think we have a new podcast, right? I think we have a new podcast and a new brand. Starting from scratch, brand new. There you go. So how do you think about this, starting a new brand from scratch? Well, I think if you particularly put it through the lens of media brands, which we want to focus on today, because brands as open-ended as that is, just talking about media brands alone and the different categories you sketched out, entertainment, social, news, podcasts, streaming, digital, there's so much change in this industry And let's be honest, so many media companies struggling. I mean, who would have thought companies like BuzzFeed and Vice, who are the darlings of the media world just a few years ago, I mean, we've seen profound change and sell-off there. 
We talked in the last episode about threads, but certainly you can't understate the advantage of starting a new brand when you have instant awareness and audience that you can port over from a huge brand. In that case, of course, meta slash Instagram. So I think it's a really interesting question of, first of all, finding your why. I know that's a big theme for you, Stephen, and finding your why. I mean, the real question is, there's always room if there's a genuine white space. And if it's not, you have to you have to question, is it gratuitous? And will it then have a place to live? But there always is. There are always is some unmet need. And then do you have the right proposition to fill it? But finding your why and, and also answering the question, why now? Mm, yeah. There's so much news. There's so much being done in media. And arguably, you now have the creator economy really driving a lot of news as well. I'm a huge football soccer fanatic. I love Arsenal. I'm always getting my news from social. Did I just see that you're a top-ranked fan of Arsenal, Stephen? Is this going to go on your bio? I am a top-ranked <laughs> fan. I'm going to have to put it on my LinkedIn for sure. <laughs> but I love Arsenal, and I get my news from folks on social. So I just feel like even the definition of how we get news, how we get information, has been so disrupted by social and digital. But really launching a news-centered brand, I think, is really hard. And I've thought that what better way to kind of really have a fresh, brand new voice, a brand new perspective on this conversation, I thought it'd be great to invite a friend of ours, Justin Smith, who is the CEO of the new brand called Semaphore. Yeah, we've had our eyes on this for a little bit. It just launched in October, and Semaphore is founded by former New York Times journalist Ben Smith, as well as our guests that we've invited, Justin Smith, who was formerly the CEO of Bloomberg Media Group. No relation between the two Smiths, by the way. No relation. And what <laughs> I found really fascinating when I first learned about it is their positioning. So brands always start with the positioning. What's your why? What gap are you filling? And it's articulated in three words. So I really like the simplicity of that. It's a news platform built on the ideas of being, one, intelligent, two, transparent, Sure, we're going to talk to Justin about that. And three, global from the start. So we thought this was the right time to bring a brand new POV into the conversation. So Justin, welcome to the pod. Welcome. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Congrats on your new podcast. Thank you. Congrats on your new company. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into it, man. First off, where are you calling in from? Where are you right now? I'm in D.C. Semaphore is based between New York and D.C. You co-founded this with Ben Smith. You guys met, what, like 15 years ago, and then you kind of reconnected in Davos. Tell us a little bit about how Semaphore came about. So Ben is my famous other half, Smith. We both grew up in the media industry together. Ben was a kind of a great star of his generation. I think he's one of the most talented, disruptive editors of his kind. He was really on the founding team of Politico, BuzzFeed News, and then did that stellar, stellar performance as a media critic for the New York Times. I had a similar run on the business side from The Economist to The Atlantic to Bloomberg. And we were both entrepreneurial, always stayed in touch and had very complimentary skills, editorial and business. Having front row seats to global news, you see the audiences evolve, you see the technologies evolve, you saw what happened to social media and news. Every time we got together, we just kept on talking about this is the opportunity, this is the opportunity, this is the opportunity. And we came at it from different angles, but I would say that thematic focus of these discussions was always around the news consumer. And I think that what inspired us to leave Bloomberg and to leave the New York Times to do this, it inspired the 65 staff that we have, is that by 2022, when we quit our jobs, I mean, the frustrations of discerning global news consumers with the existing media 
offerings is just unbelievable. I mean, you can see it in the levels of trust in news media in America and around the world, which are at all-time lows, you know, down beneath 10% domestically and even 11 12% around the world. And then how overwhelmed people are. The information overload question is just not really considered by a lot of news publishers who just keep on pumping out more and more content. And so people are overwhelmed. People don't know what to trust. We're in this incredibly complicated, global, interconnected world where pandemics are coming from China and smoke is coming from Canada and supply chains are being reinvented and the global economy is changing. And so we thought, could we pull together the greatest team in news media to innovate against these consumer frustrations? How do we fight bias and polarization? How do we create more transparent journalism to innovate against information overload? How do we restore trust by curating and distilling great views and perspectives. And lastly, we are just very interested in this global reality that we live in, which is very few news organizations bleed global in their DNA. That's something which we wanted to do. Justin, it's such an interesting and ambitious vision. And I'm curious because you just laid out, I mean, the pedigree that you and Ben have in terms of really big established companies. And here you are finding yourself as entrepreneurs. And Steve and I have been spending some time in this episode talking about the disruption of media brands in this space from established ones that are struggling, new ones trying to get off the ground. Of course, we've been talking about threads, but it has the full force of a mega brand behind it. And I'm curious how daunting it feels to you at this stage to start effectively a new brand from scratch? And what does success look like to you? <laughs> well, I mean, I would, be, I would lie if I didn't describe this experience for both Ben, myself, and all of us as daunting. I mean, we want to create one of the great 21st century quality, independent global news brands to compete with the New York Times and CNN and all the big players, the Economist, the Financial Times. Hmm. So it's a huge, huge undertaking. We went into this with very clear open eyes. And one of the things we did is we we realized it's going to take us a very long time to do this. One thing about being kind of mid-career is that you know how long it takes to build something great, having endeavored to do so many, many times. And so Ben and I signed up for 10 years together at the very minimum. Wow. I mean, it's a marriage, Justin. <laughs> it's a marriage. And the actual leadership team and the whole company, which are shareholders, are all also on a 10-year vest, which is a very unusual thing. Huh. But it's because it's going to be a very difficult, challenging road. There are going to be ups, there are going to be downs, there are going to be twists and turns. It's going to take time. Yeah. Your question reminds me of early January 2022 when we quit our jobs. And I was in my kitchen in DC. Ben was in his kitchen in Brooklyn. And you know, I'd gone from being CEO of Bloomberg Media, you know, I had a pretty big team working for me and Ben probably as well. And all of a sudden you're there at your kitchen with your laptop, you know, you're working 24 hours a day, you're like sleeping five hours a night, you're working seven days a week. I think we scheduled a Saturday morning, 7am call and a Sunday morning, 7am call just to keep us on the point. And I remember just being like, oh my God, the phone's not ringing. And everything that one wants to will into reality, you have to do. And I, I remember just thinking like, this is just all pushing things out into the world, birthing these ideas and this concept. And I developed this mantra for myself, which was three words, do the work, hmm. do the work. There's no one else to do the work. You're going to be the recruiter, the fundraiser, the PR person. I think Ben and I managed our PR rollout for Semaphore, just the two of us. And I think we had some ridiculous amount of comms globally when we, when we announced, but it's humbling, it's daunting, but it's also just the most exciting and inspiring opportunity too. And the fact that you get a chance to do this with your life and do something so purposeful and meaningful is also just, yeah, I'm very grateful for. I just have to comment really fast on the 10-year piece because that really struck me. 
patience is not much of a virtue these days in business. And I think we could do a whole episode on just the problem of short-termism in business and the investor community with public companies, with privately owned companies. So to, not only for you to commit to each other as founders for a 10-year arc, but for your backers to say, we see that. What an incredible story and lesson to put out there just in the world at large right now, because good things do sometimes take time. I'm so glad you shared that. Very interesting. It's a big dream and a big project. And we're about nine months old now. And, you know, we've gotten so many things right, we think, but we've gotten a bunch of things wrong too. Every day we wake up just looking at the areas that aren't perfect or aren't hitting where we want them to be. And it's just all about improving and digging deeper and making things better and stopping doing things that aren't working and trying new things. And it's just a long process, but we're really thrilled with where we are so far. I love this because this truly is the journey of an entrepreneur. And I so empathize with you, Justin, because going from zero to one is hard. And I think people so glamorize at a startup, hustle culture and all that kind of stuff, but it's hard and it takes at a minimum a decade for something to kind of get off the ground and it takes time for it to percolate and it's never up and to the right, right? There's lots of, you know, peaks and valleys. But, you know, I'm so curious. We're both news junkies. Your undergrad was international relations at Georgetown. I was at Tufts. I was always thinking of doing something in foreign service or something with global affairs. So I really am just kind of a fanboy of being able to do these things and create this global news brand. But I have to ask, why do you think the world needed another news brand at a time when it's hard. It's really hard to not just create a brand, but to create a brand that actually is going to connect with an audience when they're really just getting their news from TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and now maybe threads. So I'm just curious, what do you feel was missing that is really going to be unique to Semaphore? The news industry really has taken a huge significant hit from the rise of social media, not just a business model hit, but actually a product and content hit. The reason why trust is so low amongst premium news brands is because many of those premium news brands began to write for the algorithm. Their own newsrooms became corrupted in a sense with the ecosystem of distribution. So actually being able to have a blank slate of paper and say, well, how do we really, really rethink the presentation of content for a world where consumers don't trust anything anymore? There was a time 30 years ago when most of the center of this country trusted the New York Times or trusted CNN back when Ted Turner started it. Those days are long gone. On that point alone, how do you innovate to restore a credibility and a belief? And so we launched Semaphore with our first core product innovation, which is just rethinking the article format, which is the atomic unit of journalism and, and rethinking it so that we can make it completely transparent and expose the scaffolding of the journalism. Let the reader know this is the news and let the reader know this is the journalist's view of the news and then bring in alternative perspectives around the news, but label them clearly for the reader. No one's done that before. And the level of engagement that we're seeing, the level of reader virality we're seeing in terms of growing our audience. I mean, we probably have about 4 million readers now on and off platform, 2 million on platform, 2 million off. And we're nine months old. We've got almost half a million subscriptions to our newsletter products. I mean, this is a really exciting start for us. Our newsroom is very different than other newsrooms because we're crunching other people's content and blending it with our own and presenting kind of a compressed, very, very efficient package that offers kaleidoscopic explanations for complex issues, right? No newsroom in the world is doing that. Like we are inventing this new type of blending of original content and distilled external content. And so 
That's why we think the world needs this. It's serving consumer needs and frustrations with, with a completely fresh, different thing. And hopefully it's what you're experiencing when you read it. I would say, yes, I've really become a fan. I mean that. And I think it's because one of your key tenets is transparency and that you're not trying to play to the fringe or to the algorithm. And something's just really struck me. And I was thinking about in the context of Semaphore that almost feels, hope this is okay to say, like the grownups have left the media building. <laughs> and are you maybe trying to be the grownup in the room again? If so... Can we get everyone else back on board with that? So impressive numbers, but can this be ultimately, do you even want it to be, but could it be a mainstream solution in news over this 10-year arc to get people back to not just choosing partisan sides in their consumption of, quote, journalism? What's your point of view on that? We would love to bring our vision for balanced, transparent, multi-perspective content to as broad of an audience as we can. When you think about disruption, one of the things, and this is sort of relates back to Stephen's last question, every other news organization, really, every traditional news organization is a single source news organization. They just want you to read New York Times content. And they'll just send you more CNN, more New York Times, more journal, which is great. But their morning newsletters are basically the 10, 15 stories that they have written in their brand. Very few of these, if any of these brands actually deign to bring in other sources and other content. Well, what do consumers want? Consumers don't want just one filter. But to your question about the adults leaving the room, I mean, to some extent, this semaphore, I think, is a little bit of a response to the social media corruption of news media and quality news media. I think we're sort of finally in this in the news space in this post social moment, you know, we barely have any traffic from Facebook. It's amazing. If you compare that to 11 years ago, when I launched Quartz, which was basically sort of built on the back of Facebook, you know, as of many of the other brands that have now not done so well, like Vice and BuzzFeed and others. So, so no cage match in, in your future with, with Zuck or, or with Elon? They are in a different place on the planet than I am. But no, I think we, uh, <laughs> I think we'd like to continue to, to serve this, this purpose and mission of intelligent, global, transparent information that hopefully can bring some calm and, and reason and intelligence to what is a pretty chaotic and frankly, an algorithmically negative, in my view, environment for news, and which is only going to get a little bit more complicated with AI and so on, which we're, we're already beginning to see. Well, I feel like you were uh, alluding to the elephant in the room. Everything that's algorithmic is obviously leading to machine learning. And certainly we see it right now with the writer's strike and how important the role of AI or not using AI in writer's rooms, it's becoming a true lightning rod. I'm just curious, like, how are you thinking of AI as you kind of approach your way to not just make the news, write the news, but also disseminate the news? As a startup, you do see things opportunistically and you see things with a positive outlook of how can we use tools that are emerging and new technologies to kind of improve our mission. We don't approach it with that sense of dread and fear. But having said that, I think the most commonly asked question, I'm thrilled about this in sort of our product or editorial meetings is, can AI do this? So we're deeply, deeply sensitive to developing products that are uniquely human created and bring the values that a human touch and human mind and human curation can bring. And I think AI can be a really good supporting tool for that. Distillation, summarization, translation, these sorts of things can be done really well by the machines, but the actual curation of sources, the selection of sources, this blending process that we talked about is really not done well by machines. And you know, while that will get better, I think we have to be quite careful about that. Well, I'll tell you, I, for one, 
just feel like I would really welcome a mature adult voice back in the room. So I think there are other forms of content we can all enjoy consuming and we can enjoy the froth of social media. But when it comes to journalism, when it comes to understanding what's happening in our world, I miss feeling that sense of trust and credibility in my news sources. In fact, not a lot of people fact check where they're even getting their news from, which is something that I know I've spent a lot of time thinking about as a consumer of news, as an advertiser within news. Kudos on this mission. And I know Stephen and I both wish you just tremendous success with this because it matters. As brand people, we think about names. And I know you and your partner, Ben, were probably very deliberate about the choice of names, semaphore. What does it mean? Well, it's an ancient Greek word that is two parts, sema, which is the carrier, the bearer, and then four, which means of signal, the bearer of a signal, which is a great idea for a journalism brand. But most importantly, it's a word that is the same spelling and the same pronunciation in about 30 plus languages. So German, French, Spanish, many African languages, Hossa and Swahili and some Southeast Asian languages. And so in particularly at a time when a lot of the global news media is very Western centric and has brand names with the word New York or British or Wall Street in them, we wanted to start a new company in the 21st century that was just actually had a, a full global connotations and could be understood across the world in many different countries and cultures. That's so interesting because for those of us who've managed global brands, there are classic naming stories of not thinking through what the name means in other languages and other countries. So well done on finding a name that has both meaning and translation ability across so many different parts of the world. So very much fitting your global objective. Well done. Thank you. So Justin, with Semaphore, obviously the revenue model has to include advertising in some way, shape, or form, I imagine. How are you thinking to attract brands to be a part of your new brand? Well, obviously the heart of that proposition is just attention, deep audience engagement with your product and with your brand, which is something which we feel like we've accomplished so far. We've got about 35 to 40 global brand partners right now. You know, Many of them are the great brands in the world from a whole range of different sectors and segments. What we're doing with them uniquely is we are working with clients on developing completely new custom ideas together. So Verizon and Semaphore built out a whole text messaging journalism model together. We use the text format as a way of doing live interviews and publishing those. And so we care a lot about these perspectives and views and just distillation of different parts of a story. And so we now we allow our advertisers to actually in line promote and insert the view from Goldman Sachs or the view from Pfizer in a contextually relevant article in real time, stuff that no one else has, has really tried or executed against. So it's working well. We do a lot in the live event space and in the hybrid event space all around the world. We just did a great event in Zurich around the future of AI and the global economy. And we've done about 40 events so far. So live events custom content, premium advertising. We've got to get the advertising community to support news the way that they used to in the past. There's a lot of data out there that suggests it's actually an incredibly powerful medium and environment for marketing and messaging. And obviously, there have been issues with context environment, which have suppressed some of the investment. But we hope that that will be revised and revitalized. Well, quality matters. Yeah. And advertisers believe that too. So again, Justin Smith, thank you so much for joining us. And up next, we're going to move on to what's on your mind. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower 
power further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. We're back, and now we shift from talking about what's on our minds to talking about what's on your mind. We love hearing from you, so let us know what you're wondering about, want us to chat about. You can send us your questions to ideas at brand-new.com or drop them even on any of our social channels. We'll check all of those spots. In fact, this week's question actually came to us over threads. There you go. And here is the question. Knowing what you know now about marketing, would you have stayed in marketing? And if not, what would you have done? Ooh, mm. I'm going to bide my time and ask you to take the first crack at this one, Stephen. That's, that's a good, juicy mm -hmm. question because I feel somewhat torn. I definitely would have started my career again in finance. I feel so strongly about understanding the principles of business. So I definitely would have continued with that. But when I left investment banking, I actually went to a technology startup in 99, as some of you know, Akamai Technologies. And that's kind of where I started my first foray into marketing. But I started doing product marketing, which is a different type of marketing. Obviously, in the tech industry, it's a really important skill and role. But I may have shifted from product marketing into product. Mm. I think in retrospect, understanding the product world. And I feel if you look at a lot of the successful leaders that have come up through the ranks in technology, they usually start in the product world, and then they kind of make their way up, uh, assuming more and more responsibility. For a lot of technology companies, product is really the launching pad for them to do marketing, but just from a digital lens. A lot of growth hacking is happening from a product person trying to do A-B testing or trying to do different ways to understand audience and engagement. And I just feel that the product capabilities, it gives you this really great platform to do lots of other things. It doesn't devalue the role of marketing or brand. But for me personally, I think I would have taken a little bit more of a role into product. What about you? You know, that's really interesting because when I reflect on this, I believe that the things that drew me to marketing then, and it took me a while to synthesize it this way, are still the things I love. And I always say that at its best, marketing sits at this really unique intersection of business strategy, culture, and I love that, and consumer psychology or human psychology, really. We just make it about consumers. I love that. And then underpinning that all is the art of storytelling. And I love that. I love being a communicator. I also love being a creative problem solver. And I think I worry, based on how marketing has changed and the complexity of it, there is a bit of a tendency in some organizations to devalue the role of creativity. And for me, that is really the heart of what makes this function in this career so great. Your answer is interestingly through the lens of tech. And I believe in technology. I was an early adopter to digital, but I just don't believe that it replaces creativity. It becomes conduits for new ways of driving creativity so long as we remember that. So for me, that's still what's good about it. But this is such an interesting perspective because 
I don't think any one department or swim lane Agreed. owns creativity. Just the way, Agree. you know, I never understood at a company, the chief strategy officer. I feel like that's one of those nothing titles, Yes, you know, like <laughs> get a real funny swim lane. It, it's got to be meaty, right? Like it's got to be sales is a swim lane, marketing is a swim lane, finance, tech, but, you know, chief strategy officer, everyone is responsible for strategy. Same thing with like innovation. And I think same thing with creativity. One would argue that product there is a ton of creativity and you're actually doing a ton around human understanding and psychology, you know, design thinking, you know, kind of how do you do discovery and then delivery. I feel that there is a way for us to have an and, not an or, because I feel that almost on the tech side, a lot of folks uh, almost get like a bad rap because they think that they actually don't appreciate creativity. And I think there's almost a branding problem in technology where they need to kind of rethink the way they position it. Look, I've had joking conversations, though, with certain colleagues in the C-suite, like CFOs and chief accounting officers who say, yeah, you don't want me to, my job shouldn't be too creative. That could get us into trouble. But <laughs> it it, re- <laughs> it does depend on how you define creativity. And I've really spoken about this, and I feel strongly about it, that creativity should be about fresh ways of solving problems. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that, then you're absolutely right, Stephen. No one should own creativity, but marketing does have a unique contribution to play. And I believe it's also about creating a culture in an organization that marketing if it's a strong function within the business, can help lead. For sure. Is to make everyone actually feel that the whole company hums with that energy, that creativity is exciting. It's about freshness. It it galvanizes people. But that's where marketing truly is the mm-hmm. connective tissue mm-hmm. inside of a company. I firmly believe that because ultimately- I agree. And I feel it's so dated. I mean, honestly, it's not about marketing. It's about the customer. It's about your audience. And I wish there was a way to rebrand marketing where it's really about instead of chief marketing officer, it's either the chief brand officer, the chief customer officer. I know you've had some of these titles in the past, Marissa, but I feel that there is a way to really have a larger perspective on how everyone is coming together around creativity. And if there was a way to really show how product and technology and marketing and sales, they're all working in unison with that lens of what does the customer need, but who is the voice of the customer? Mm -hmm. It's always going to be the marketer or the head of brand. I feel like that is very uniquely in that swim lane. Okay, but let's just end with the final part of the question. Fantasy, job, if you hadn't done this, you would have done. Wow. If I'm if I'm being really authentic, I love mm-hmm. teaching. I've always loved education. My parents were teachers. I would love if I were to wave a magic wand. I'd love to be some type of university professor and really trying to help the next generation of kids learn about either business, everything that we talk about in team, everything we're discussing here in this podcast. I think it would be really cool to be an actual professor. Oh my God. See, this is where we are similar. I feel (laughs) we might need to go create the brand new university curriculum because I love when I guest teach at the college level. It gives me such great energy, but I'm going to be a little frivolous and say my other fantasy jobs would be luxury shoe designer yes, or host of, I'm really going to embarrass myself now. So have at it with me, people 
host of Say Yes to the Dress. Oh, my God. I don't God. know why. It's my silly TV obsession. It makes me feel good. I don't even know that show. That's probably better off. Okay. It's like on season 21, and I think I've watched all of them. So there you go. <laughs> True confessions on the podcast. I know, but you are truly a fashion icon, and there's no one that actually is able to kind of pick a trend, and you're always ahead of that curve. So that that makes sense. I, I, I could totally see you doing the luxury fashion shoot. And yet made for made audio. Made for audio, right? Well, we're going to have to figure out the video component at some point. But um, are, are you wearing fabulous shoes now? No. No? Barefoot and podcasting. More okay. true confessions. <laughs> Is this the kind of thing, you know, no one knows you're a dog on the internet kind of thing? Okay, that's it for this time. We're going to close right there. I want to hear hey. about your favorite luxury shoes. We're going to go through all the brands, right? Absolutely. That's lens of brand. easy. All right, easy. Wait, so, so your favorite, now you have to say, like, what's your favorite luxury shoe brand? Oh, my God. Goodness, come on, don't make me we, commit. Oh, oh Louboutin, yeah. okay, Louboutin. I'll okay, be good diva. To know. I'll good be diva. Know. But I'm a bargain shopper. See, I like nice things at great prices, and we'll talk about value propositions in a future podcast. But that's it for this time. I'm going to cut us off. And hey, if you like this content, even our silly true confessions about fantasy jobs, don't forget to follow us at the brand new podcast wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. Please follow us on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and oh yes, threads. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you're wondering about. Questions can come right at us at any of those places or to our email at ideas at brand-new.com. And definitely please leave us a rating, a comment on Apple Podcasts. Tell us how much you like the content, how much you like Marissa's obsession with shoes. <laughs> uh, help us spread the word. Oh boy. And please feed that algorithm and join us next time for What's Brand New. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's. Because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.